And so Nikita said something in the group message, which he says, I think it'd be an interesting idea to ask myself or to figure out how no, that, can I not build even that you're, you're making it too soft. I remember exactly how he said it. It's just, it was like, Oh, so what are you doing? What are you up to nowadays? Oh, Sam, you sold the hustle. What are you doing? Sean, you sold people. What are you doing? Nikita, you're sitting at Facebook. What are you doing? And he's basically, he just said it straight, straight up. He goes, um, I'm just thinking about how I can make $10 million in three months. Like I, and we're like, what? And he's like, yeah, I want to make an app that generates like $10 million in 90 days. What's going on? We have a good episode. We talk about an app that's going viral, but this app role is getting written about in a bunch of publications. We actually have the inside story because we kind of saw what was happening behind the scenes early, early on. And so we talk about this guy named Nikita who launched this app that has made a million dollars in like two weeks or something crazy like that. And we tell you the inside story behind it. What else we got? And he called his shot, which you know we love here. We also talk about a ransom note that we got through email and why this ransom note was one of the best emails that we've ever got. And me and Sam live brainstorm and live negotiate how we are going to deal with this ransom note. So if you want to see that, that's at the end of the episode. We also talk about the MailChimp CEO getting canceled and a little debrief of Palmer Lucky. So that's it. Enjoy this episode. All right, we live. Sam Parr, what's up? Nothing. How's it going? Uh, You know, just the usual. Woke up, decided, okay, no small boy stuff today. Got going, immediately started considering some small boy stuff, and then I remembered there will be absolutely none of that today. And what were so the what, what what was it? I woke up. I was like, oh, I'm a little sore. So I wake up with a complaint. I'm waking up with a complaint on one of the greatest days I've ever had. Wow, this is this is not how I'm going to start my day. Wait, why was it one of your greatest days? Uh, just like that's just like a general general attitude I have. Uh, do you want to? Start off by recapping Palmer Lucky, because after talking to him, I feel like he's kind of the greatest guy I've ever talked to. Kind of to. the man. Yeah. <laughs> right. Is that how you feel? I thought he was awesome. Um, OK, let me just say a word that describes Palmer Lucky. I would say. Um, like. Independent minded, I think uh, I think I really respected that he is independently minded, I felt like. All his opinions were his own. You know, people are like they write that shit in their Twitter bio, like opinions are mine, not my employer. Uh, you know, his opinions are really his. Uh, <laughs> also, when people write contrarian thinker, and it's kind of like if if you have to say that you're a contrarian thinker, you're maybe not like the most contrarian thinker. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Right. It's like the no offense. I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah, racist, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. So I, uh, anyway, yeah, I, I, I thought that he was an independent thinker. I also thought that he was incredibly enthusiastic, which I liked. Yeah. Very not enthusiastic. Dead on the inside. Like we have, we have said no to a bunch of guests just simply because they're like, you know, their intelligence is like cranked up to level 10. Their success is cranked up to level 12. But their like charisma and ability to convey any sort of enthusiasm about themselves, about the world, about their story, is so low, and um, and so they did, they make for a terrible podcast guest. But for him, it felt not only like he, did he have charisma to tell stories about the past, he seemed really pumped about what he was doing and what the future looked like and why it mattered. And I just felt like this guy, you know, just like springs out of bed every day. Me too. That's exactly how I felt. I felt like he was incredibly enthusiastic about life. And he, yes, that, that's a great way to explain it. But he, uh, dude, he was so fascinating. He was one of those guys that I like because I don't like, I, I can't think of a great word to explain, say other than like prolific, but also almost like this. I don't think this is over explaining it or, or over grandizing it, but like almost like a Renaissance man where he would say comments like, yeah, I bought this marina because there's going to be new laws about i don't even understand like what he was explaining about his marina but he said like something about his marina and like seaport access and how it's changing and then he made another comment well, he, about, he was like, like he's like i, I was going to do this well i mean seasteading is is off the table for now and i was just like i don't even really know what seasteading is exactly um, and you were just said it like well we all know seasteading now is not the time <laughs> I was like, well, what, are you, what are you talking about what the hell is seasteading <laughs> yeah he also he also and, and like he'll make another comment he's like yeah i have this house we rented we had like a 
a workshop and one weekend I was building a, a jet engine for the water and we actually discovered that like we should make biodegradable food or what did he say we should make oil-based foods it's kind of like building a diet coke for every food and I was just like we right. could take this over lots of different paths but it's just so interesting to me that you have that ability yeah it was like a bunch of like candy being waved at us he's just like you know I've one of the largest samurai sword collections in the world. And that just got me into thinking. And it's like, wait, what? Uh, <laughs> he didn't say that, you, by the way, but there's at least a 50% chance he has one of the top 10 samurai sword collections in the world. <laughs> 100%. The guy owns swords. Like, <laughs> yeah, he definitely owns swords. Hey, quick break to talk about our sponsor today. We're talking about HubSpot and their new AI-powered service hub. Okay, so what is service hub? Basically, every customer today wants to be talked to in a personalized way. And before, that required tons of human agents. But now, with AI, you could do that in a personalized way with fewer humans involved. And so you don't have to scale up your team in order to deliver personalized chat and service. So check out HubSpot's new service hub to use their AI tools to give better support to your customers. That's what they want and that's what they deserve. So visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn how this all new solution can help you deliver customer service with AI to your customers. Um, all right, so where do you want to go next? You can drive. All right, so check this out. I forwarded you an email. Did you uh, see the email I sent from about, about Sarah's list? Or maybe maybe she sent this to you too. What was it? So a woman named Kristen uh, sends a um, an email. I'm just going to read it to you. We'll show it on the screen uh, you know, for those on YouTube because it's, it's kind of amazing looking. Oh, my God. You open up I the have... email and it says, I am holding sarahslist.com hostage. And it, she goes, you don't know me, but I obviously know you. I purchased sarahslist.com. I've turned it into a bomb ass website. I am willing to sell it to you for $20,000. This is a steal as I purchased it. For $30,000, <laughs> I'm essentially giving you $10,000. You're welcome. If you'd ever, if you'd ever like to see saleslist.com again, and then in, she turned the font small or for the first time, <laughs> you know, reply to this message. I'm looking forward to hearing from you, Kristen. And I was just like, this is amazing. I go, who are you? And um, who, is, who is she? So, yeah, who so is then, she? So she's, um, this is this woman, Kristen Kent. So she sends me her story after that. She goes, I've been in 12, tech for 12 years. Um, you know, uh, regrettably, I chose companies off Kristen's list, which was not as lucrative as if I had chose companies off Sarah's list. So for those who don't know, Sarah's list is this concept that we should explain. We did a full episode about it. Basically, Sam's wife, Sarah, is uh, a self-made millionaire and did not do any of the heroic entrepreneurial things you hear about in the media. She just did one really good thing. She just picked companies whose equity was going to like, uh, whose valuation was going to go up four or five X in a four year period. So she worked at Facebook and not early at Facebook, not like she was like employee four at Facebook. Like she was like in the thousands of employees joined as like a middle, middle manager type. Not again, I say this not as disparagement because of how amazing it is. Like she didn't do the things that you think you have to do to become like a self-made millionaire. Uh, she joined Airbnb again as employee, I don't know, something hundred. What, what was it? Maybe like three or three or four hundred? No, a thousand. Oh, a thousand. Okay, great. And Airbnb goes public at a valuation that's four or five X. And so, you know, if you're receiving a stock grant for let's call it sixty thousand dollars a year, uh, you know, on top of your you get you get some base comps. I'm just gonna use fake numbers. Base compensation, let's say, is one fifty, and then they give you fifty K of stock a year. For four over four years, that's two hundred K of stock. But now the stock price four or five X's, you made a million dollars during that time period. Um, and you were safe. You didn't have to like work 90 hour weeks. You uh, got to work at a fun growing company that was going to like win its category. And you didn't have to have this like amazing lightning in a bottle genius idea in order to do it. And so she had done that a few times. And so we, we said, oh, this was actually intentional. You and Sarah sat down and you guys Yeah, we like made lists. We like made lists. Like what's like a 500 person company that has good maternity leave, you know, like these are all like the telltale signs that it's like an interesting startup has, uh, you're in the, you know, top quartile of pay just for off salary. You have, uh, interesting benefits, good healthcare, like all this stuff that a lot of startups that are early don't have, uh, but big companies do yet they can still five or 10 X. So yeah, we made that list. So we made and, the list and of the, we put 12 companies on that list. This was like a year, year and a half ago now. 12 companies on that list. And I think we did the the recap. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think the in the year, year and a half since then, the average company values up like two and a half X or something crazy like that. And, and 11 out of the 12 companies raised 
a like significant upround since then. So we were like very high hit rate. And if you got in, whatever your stock value would have been at that time, I think on average, it's something like two and a half X. Um, could be wrong. I, I don't remember the math. Uh, but And so this lady sets a site, by the way, and I'm looking at it. This is amazing. But yeah. the, her email is she so she DM'd me on Twitter. And so whenever people DM me, DM me on Twitter, I either ignore them or I just like click the heart emoji. Like, thank you. I recognize you, but I don't want to talk. And that's what I did with her. And I just replied and said, I'm an idiot. This is you're actually you're, you're different. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this is a really good one. So, OK, so then here's what I want to do. So you go to the website. It's just sarahslist.com. It says 12 startups that can make you a millionaire. It's got a picture of Richie Rich, which is hilarious. And then it goes, who is Sarah? Who are we? And why do we have any business sharing a list like this? And then it tells the story about Sarah, about us, whatever. Selection criteria, it's, it's uses our criteria, which is that it's a company that's already valued over $250 million. So it has a low risk profile, meaning it's likely not going to go to zero. A stable work environment, a high salary, great benefits, but still can make you a millionaire because the, the equity has potential to five to 10x. And then it has our list, which was like Flexport and Uniswap and Anduril and Replit and Airtable and Figma. Like Figma got acquired for whatever, 20 billion or something like that, or more than that, uh, uh, you know, after we uh, after we mentioned it on this list when it was, that's like a 10x, I think, from where we mentioned it. Yeah. So anyways, uh, then it says, find a friend a job. So you go to the job board and it goes, these are placeholder jobs. You guys should consider syncing this up to one of these websites, but those cost money, which is why and the last job post says, I'm not doing it. <laughs> and the tagline. So the tagline at the bottom says Sarah's list, get rich in five to 10 years, over 50% guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So hilarious. So then I started thinking, okay, so I said, let's brainstorm this live here on the podcast. Should we do this deal? And no. Uh, and, okay. So your, your opinion is no. And give me why. No, here's why. It's just a, a a website that would take me five minutes or no, it would take me. Oh, it's a website that take me three hours to copy and a domain name. So for that reason, it's not that valuable. But what's more valuable is this lady, uh, Kristen, who's making it. Yeah, her emails exactly. are are beautiful. Her copies beautiful. Her I just looked at her Twitter. This woman, uh, Kristen, is the exact type of people that I like to be around. She also works at Expa which uh, Expa is basically a company founded by the founder of Uber, Garrett, I think yeah, is it? Garrett, Garrett Camp. Camp. Yeah. And they basically are a startup studio that launches companies. I don't actually know any of the companies that they've launched, but I imagine a lot of them are really successful. But she works there, which is also a really good like indicator that she's like onto something. Uh, do I think that we should buy this? Absolutely not. Do I think that I want this woman in my life and would love to work with her in some capacity? 100%. Agreed. The real value here... It's not the domain. It's not the website. It's Kristen Kent. Okay, so here's my here's my proposal to Kristen Kent. Here's my counteroffer, uh, my public podcast counteroffer to you, Kristen. I'll give you the twenty thousand dollars. I'll give it to you. In fact, I'll give you the thirty thousand dollars that you paid for this uh, this domain. If you really paid that much for this domain, I mean that's kind of crazy. And uh, but it comes with this catch. We're going to work together on this project. You're going to do the work on the on the um, company side, and I'm gonna do the work on the promotional side, the distribution side. And here's what we're gonna do with Sarah's List. We're gonna turn Sarah's List into a half a million dollar a year passive income stream. Eh, passive-ish, I should say. Passive for me, that's eh, a little active for you. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, by the way, Sean, when you say, we, we gotta, well, let's remember, this is Sarah's List, of which I am 50% of Sarah's uh, List. Sam, so whatever Sam is, uh, is is on the side right now. Sam said no. No, 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 no. I got no, him no. on the record Whenever. saying no a moment ago. And uh, he's not a part of the counteroffer. Sarah herself will get a 1% royalty as we use her name. <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> Here's what we got to do. What what per, what percentage of the of the of the dividends would you give or would you want Kristen to have? Uh, Kristen deserves 50%. She deserves Great. 50%. Then, I agree. The the other 50% Split you and I, split. and we 90 won't. 10. You got it, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, the you other... can share the royalty with Sarah. So, <laughs> so, here's what we're gonna do. Actually, I don't know if I even want to say this this deal now that we're having these uh, this, this intense negotiation. I want to give out my great idea. Okay, I'll give up my great idea. So, here's the great idea. Here's how we're gonna make this work. So normally a job, board, this is like monetized as a job board, right? It would be a list of companies that we are curating saying these companies are great. And let's say we might take it to 24, 25 companies um, rather than the 12 we have today. 
And normally on a job board, you pay like $500 a post um, for, for a job posting. So we would need to go reach out to those companies, get them to post. And the other thing, uh, you know, but, but hey, this is maybe premium. It's a curated job board. Maybe we could charge more, maybe $1,000, maybe $2,000 to be, be posting your jobs on here. So if we got people to do that, you know, let's say $2,000 a month, 24 companies, let's say half, half of them actually do it, you know, that's like 24K a month, not bad. But I think we're going to be in this kind of constant sales outreach period. So let me put out a different idea. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing, if you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives. That I thought it's pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to D2C Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Here's a different idea. We're going to take these companies and we're going to host a demo day once a quarter. What's, that, what's going to happen at the demo day? We're going to basically... Um, each week we're going to feature one of these companies. We're going to create an email list. We're going to spin off our current email list. And we're going to say, we're going to feature one of these companies. We're going to do a deep dive on why this company is a good company to work for and interested people, you know, high, high quality people in tech might. Well, that needs to be an upsell. That needs to be an upsell where it's like for 25, 25,000, like you get a deep dive. As a minority owner, I'm not sure you have a say here. So <laughs> <laughs> I could barely hear Dude. your voice. It was so faint, like your equity ownership in this. Um, so, so, so here's what we're if we do. were in the same room, do you think I would have hit you already? Yeah, or, yeah, or, 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 or will that be coming me. in the next? Will that be coming in the next ten minutes, or would it have already have happened? <laughs> so. So, you know, the way you promoted HustleCon, where you used to write these kind of blog posts once a week, I think you would you would feature the speaker of HustleCon and you would tell their story in this awesome infographic. And then you would say, do you like stories like this? You should come to HustleCon. We're going to have 25 badass entrepreneurs, including this person speaking there. And you should attend. And you did that for 12, like 25 weeks and you sold out like 500 tickets to this thing. So what we're going to do is we're going to do that once a week cadence about these companies, do a little deep dive. That's an email. And then... The, the, uh, it's going to get people to attend the the hiring day. And hiring day is where the founder of those companies is going to come and they're going to give a little five-minute flash presentation on their company and it's going to be a cure and applicants apply to join. And these are, you got to be good to join. So that's why we got to keep the quality high on the company side and the applicant side. And then we're not charging for a job posting. We take the rec like the recruiter fee because when a recruiter places a candidate at one of these companies, they take twenty or $30,000 right away. And so if we can place like, 25 candidates in a year at $20,000 a pop, you're talking half a million dollars of, of revenue, which is basically all we have to do is hire a writer. We're going to hire a ghostwriter who's just going to write these company deep dives on the companies that we select. Have you heard of the daily? Uh, it was called the daily muse. Now it's called the muse, the muse.com. Have you ever heard of that company? The muse.com. No, I don't think so. Was that all right, oh, so, it was like a women's hiring thing? Was that the, the, it was yeah, called the so muse? It, I thought, yeah. It was, it's called themuse.com. It's been around now for 10 years. And the woman who started it, I've been actually DMing. I've been wanting her to come on here. Yeah, she went to Duke too. Oh, did C Catherine, I think her name is? Yeah. Uh, and so she went to YC. And so I actually originally thought they, that this was a great idea, but they screwed it up by raising a lot of money. And I think they've raised 20, 30, 40, 50, tens of millions. I, I don't know the exact number. But basically the, what they would do is they would do these deep dives on companies and charge the company some like, fairly big fee to do a deep right. dive on the company and they somehow got tons of traffic. Now they're still getting 8 million people a month coming to their website oh. or 6 million, something like that. And they had tons of people coming to their website from search, which is incredibly valuable. And I thought that they like were just chugging along, but like not doing that great because I hadn't heard about them. I have a feeling they actually might be killing it because they've raised a lot of money and they actually are starting to buy other companies at this point. And they do these deep dives on companies. And another guy who does this is Packy McCormick. And I have no idea what he charges for this anymore. But when the economy was crushing it. I think he was charging twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars more per it, deep dive. I think it was. How much? I you think it was a little more. I remember he was making a hundred thousand a month, if I recall correctly, off his deep dives, and I think he might have been doing one or two a month. Wow, that, that's pretty amazing. And so I think you could do something like that. We, we here. do this with the Milk Road, by the way. We do a deep dive thing, 
and it's like I don't know, I forgot what it costs. I think it's like tw- it's like something between twenty five and forty k, depending on on the total like promotion. And who do you hire to do that? Uh, I wrote the first few because uh, like we have one of our writers wrote it, and I like kind of like changed it big time. But now we are hiring a writer just to do the deep dives. How much would you pay a writer to do that? Um, couple grand a month, like two grand a month. No, no way, not a month really? Because That's it's it? just per deep dive. Like I'll pay you two thousand so dollars to write grand. this one article. So this the, could the, work, the value man. is not in the writing. The value is in that we have a huge list, and that if we promote something to this huge list, you're going to get a bunch of, of traction, or you're going to get usage, or you're going to get candidates, or whatever it is. So the writer is not bringing the value. The writer just needs to deliver value. But the the list is what the list size is why you can charge that much. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. I think this is a in- really interesting business. I've always said, I mean, I'm the one who even turned you on to job boards, aren't I? So like, you know, and you're email. Welcome. <laughs> and yeah. I don't even, I wouldn't have even met Sarah had you not married yeah. her. <laughs> so, so actually, yeah, I think so I should I own intru- 1%. <laughs> <laughs> I've introduced you to Liss and Sarah. So, <laughs> and before me, you weren't even into dot coms. So like, <laughs> you're welcome. So uh, I think kudos to Kristen. I think she's onto something. Well, I think we're onto something. But uh, she also it seems pretty special. Like I said, if you want, if you want a side hustle that'll make I don't know two hundred fifty k a year for you, uh, it's there for the taking. Uh, all, I think that's underselling. All you got to do is all the work. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we'll we'll promote it here. Uh, it, it, this is an interesting thing. Uh, I don't think this is an event venture sized business, which is, I, I guess why Expa isn't going after it, but it maybe could be, uh, it, well, it maybe there was a business be. back in the day that went through YC called developer auction. Do you remember this? No, but that sounds a little weird. That's it not a great weird name in a great way. So basically what they did was they were like, no, dude, that's not in a good auctioning humans. Doesn't exactly have the best branding. That's why it was great. Guys, a head turner. <laughs> And, uh, and, you know, when you're a small company, you need to be a head turner. And so um, so these guys basically they, they realized they were like, wait, the power dynamic is off. Why is it all about applying to jobs when actually like the developer is like the most valuable, like developer was like gold in Silicon Valley. And so they said, why don't we just curate like the top developers? So like who are these quote 10x engineers? And then let's just have them almost like a beauty pageant. They walk down the stage. And and the companies are like raising their paddle. I guess that's not what happened in a beauty pageant, but like an auction where the the companies were raising their paddle. Be like, I'll give them three hundred thousand. I'll give them four hundred thousand. I'll do his laundry. And then someone's like, you know, I'll suck his boob. And it's like, you know, that basically like the companies were like just falling over themselves trying to get this talent. And so they did one, and it was amazing. It was like you know fifty engineers or whatever, and all the engineers got this huge pay jump from these top companies. They're like, oh shit, that's awesome. And then it, it built this little flywheel where they're like the next batch of really great developers like, yeah, yeah, do, you're going to do all the work for me to like get me my next job offers. Awesome. All I got to do is just go and explain how like, yeah, I helped scale Netflix's like video infrastructure so that, you know, we got this latency and this blah, blah, blah. Um, so they would just go explain what they did and then the companies would bid. And it was kind of a great idea. I thought they eventually, it, but the problem is it wasn't going to scale up. It was like too almost boutique. And so in order to scale up, they changed the model and then ended up pivoting into something else altogether. But like if you just kept it boutique, which, again, you you can't do this if you raise a bunch of venture money, because then your expectation is to go huge. Yeah. But if you're like if you like making, you know, a million dollars, you know, a year of like passive income, you could do that with a boutique model like this just by basically creating a demo day. But instead of startups pitching investors, you have you have companies pitching to, to top talent. And so you could just, if you're good at curating, right? If you're a good curator, right? We, we did a good job curating on the company side. Now you just got to do a good job curating on the talent side. You could actually create a pretty solid side hustle here. Do you enjoy working with your wife? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, there so are for, enjoyable for... things, but there are also <laughs> some very unenjoyable things. I, but I tell her this on everything. If we have to like assemble some like Ikea furniture, I'm like, I hate doing projects with you. And like, cause I'm like, we're both, we're both too stubborn. We both want our way. And I'm like, why don't you just listen? And she's like, why don't you just listen? I'm like, cause I don't want to listen. And she's like, well, neither do I. <laughs> I, uh, so I've been, I've, I'm, I'm coming out. I'm going to do the ideation boot camp again. And I, um, was trying to convince Sarah to like quit her job and like do this. 
and it ain't happening. We like did we did a few test trials and yeah, like uh, we cooked dinner together and <laughs> yeah, it, it, it didn't work out. Like it, it just like me talking to her like we're coworkers just just doesn't work. That's, yeah, it, that's exactly the problem. I talked to her like I would talk to somebody who's like you know somebody on my team at my startup. And she's just like, why are you speaking to me like this? And I'm like, well, but I'm not in husband mode right now. I'm in like, you know, startup <laughs> yeah. mode. There's modes. There's modes. Yeah. And she's it's just like, like it, I would be like, look, you're not stupid, but this is stupid. <laughs> and she'd be like, why are you talking to me like this? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to encourage you. And like, don't you want to like climb up this organization's ladder? Like, don't you want to be great and achieve great things? And she's like, just wants to punch me in the stomach yeah. and knock the wind out of me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't know if this is going to work. I, I wanted this to work, but I, I don't think this can happen. So I, I, I don't know how the couples do it, but uh, it, it wasn't working for us. There are many great examples, like uh, the founders of Eventbrite, were, uh, that's a husband and wife couple. Um, the founders of, of Bebo back in the day, Zochi and Michael Burst, they're husband and wife couple. They work together just great. And uh, yeah, but I think it needs like that complementary personalities where one and also like I don't have the best bedside manner, <laughs> you know, <laughs> shocker, <laughs> like, you know, pretty direct and pretty blunt about stuff. Um, and I, you know, I don't have that thing that some people have going for them. I think you have this where you could just be hella blunt and it's like it's a Sam being Sam. Like, uh, you know, you know, he's got to, he gets, to, he gets to play by his own rules. Cause that's just the way he is. I have, uh, like I have too much finesse in my game. Like if you have, if you have no finesse, people are like, he's got no finesse. It's fine. Like he's just being blunt and don't take it seriously. But if you have any, then it's like, oh, he could have said that differently, but he chose to say it the wrong way. And you don't get the, you don't get that, like that, you know, that pass to just like, you know, say things, you know, the, the wrong way. Earlier in the episode, we said you would describe uh, Palmer Lucky in one word. And you, I think, you know, we both said different things. If I had to describe the this last 60 minute episode in one word, I would say. Exhausting. This was an exhausting. <laughs> I, I feel like I just went on like a journey with you and I need to go rest my eyes. Is that how you feel? No, I'm one? just getting stronger by the minute. <laughs> Dude, that, that, I believe that's called anti-fragile. You and I are not the same. I'm about to peak. <laughs> yeah, you and I are absolutely not the same. Where do we go from here? Do we do, end it here or do we keep going? I want to do two little things. One, All right. I just want to have a moment of silence for the MailChimp CEO. What happened? He got, wait, the MailChimp CEO or the founder, uh, Ben? Ben. Who was Ooh, the CEO, happened? I think, right? He was. I think he quit when they sold it. So I, I don't know exactly. Ben Chestnut, ben Chestnut steps Chestnut, down as who I CEO. Love. So, oh. okay. So, so MailChimp was this like darling. They were bootstrapped. I think they were bootstrapped forever. Then they sold to Intuit for many billions of dollars. Like and eight. they did it for like 20 years and they did it out of like Atlanta. So they were like this indie success story, right? Like they're like, you know, like there's like hundreds of indie hackers right now on indiehackers.com that like, By you know, the way, you said Atlanta in a very funny way. It's kind of like I usually say Detroit. You just said Atlanta. You put a you put a hard AT on that. Atlanta. I like that. Atlanta. Ah, uh, OK, well, you know, it's like De Detroit, Detroit, Atlanta. But go ahead. <laughs> so this guy, he had to step down. So he goes, um, so did you see what what he did or what happened? So he sent a um so he sent like an email Oof. or something like that. Where, where is it? Let me pull Ooh, up. Exactly. I see it. Yeah. He basically just said, uh, he's, uh, he basically uh, said, Chestnut said he identified a dangerous trend in his workforce. New hires introducing themselves using their preferred pronouns. This is completely unnecessary for a woman who is clearly a woman to tell us her pronouns as she, her, and a man who is clearly a man to tell us that his pronouns are he, him. He wrote in an email uh, to a small group of employees. Uh, instead, Chestnut said he understood the practice as rooting kindness, but added that in the long run, this approach does more harm than good, forcing people to behave in certain ways that are the opposite of inclusion. Okay, sounds not horrible, but uh, that's a dangerous, dangerous path to go down. By the way, my recommendation to all of us is to just not comment on this. I think we should just read it. What happened? 
And then a moment of silence for for uh, for for this guy for getting fired, for basically fired. You know, oh, I stepped down coincidentally right after this. Uh, but you know, for for you know whether you agree with him or disagree with him, I kind of feel like having to step down is a pretty like severe penalty. Having to step down from your own company is a pretty severe penalty for like having a point of view on this stuff. But like maybe that's like maybe it's a lot more severe than I think. I don't know. Like, well, what's crazy? I think that when you look at when you think about these things, words aren't just words. You have to look at intentions, right? And his intention, if you, we don't even have to read it, but. His intention is not to say that any, his intentions are good. His intentions actually, I think, are rooted in like, I want to make everyone feel included and I want to be productive and I, you know, whatever. Uh, and I'm just reading this email so, a little so bit he, like here's live. Part, and so it, it doesn't seem like a negative email. Here's the part where I think it got dicey for him. So he goes, he go, in the email, he goes, um, first, there is a tiny number of peeps at MailChimp. Strange to use peeps. Maybe that's like what they call themselves. Is that like uh, a chimp word? Yeah. Is so that... there's a very tiny number of peeps at MailChimp who consider themselves transgender, forcing either with orders or through guilt, the approximately 1,300 other peeps to adopt a new communication pa paradigm that humanity has never had to use in our 300,000 years of existence and under 150,000 years of spoken language in order to make things slightly more comfortable for an extremely small group of peeps is completely illogical. And he says that if you're forced to do something illogical, eventually you will believe and do anything, even if it's vicious. <laughs> so, okay, that's like a little like, uh, <laughs> he says, now, nowadays everything is incredibly politicized. I'm finding that peeps are no longer motivated by meaningful work. They're motivated to make political statements. They're using company time and company resources to win a game against their opponents in a game that is raging in their minds and on social media. Um, understanding and respecting that people can have different, different views is part of being American, part of being mature adults. Peeps of all different uh, political leanings are free to vote the way they want, blah, blah, blah. But it's not for the workplace. So that's what he said. Um, I'll leave it to anybody to agree or disagree. My personal opinion is uh, I understand what he's trying to say. I think he said it in a pretty stupid way. Like it's a little too aggressive. Um, and Using also the word peeps when you're talking about these things <laughs> is also like... If I, 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 I agree with the sentiment here, but I think that if I, if it were a hot button issue, I wouldn't use slang. Yeah. You can't be like to the homies that had to use the, yeah. <laughs> like, I guess internally, maybe they must just always use that, use that. Like, you know, like Facebook had like whatever, like now has like meta mates or whatever. Like, dude, it's kind of a like, meta mate to use a pronoun is unmetamate. There, like. There's two words that I hate using in a serious like argument or discussion like if i'm talking to sarah my wife or like someone else about like look like you know they said this in their tweets like if it's ever like the word tweets in an argument like did, well i tweeted did you see the tweet did you see their tweets <laughs> you know what i mean like i don't I, well he tweeted it yeah. like I, I don't want to use that word or text that text. word text <laughs> yeah like when i'm having a serious conversation i want to talk about something and i gotta use well he tweeted that you see his tweets. Yeah, because it's too much I, like I, I tooted at him and it's like, yeah, know, it doesn't sound. I'm not a fan. Strong but enough. yeah, I mean, I'm going to add peeps to that list. So yeah, RIP Ben. I like Ben. I don't know him. I'm acting like I do. Uh, I've cold emailed him a ton of times and he's never replied to me. But uh, so we kind of know each other. So and uh, it's like, so uh, karma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess he's just yeah. one of those peeps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> doesn't you reply to my emails. You can see what happens to those peeps. <laughs> yeah, he's he's him and a six billion can go off and be unhappy by themselves. But, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, I like Ben Chestnut. Chestnut. I love MailChimp. I think it's a great company. Yeah, um, me too. I think MailChimp is a, is a <laughs> cool, really cool success story. This data is wrong every freaking time. Have you heard of HubSpot? HubSpot is a CRM platform where everything is fully integrated. Whoa, I can see the client's whole history. Calls, support tickets, emails, and here's a task from three days ago I totally missed. HubSpot, grow better. Do you, uh, do you want to talk about Nikita? Uh, yeah, we kind of did, but it seemed like you I know, to do but it we glossed justice. it over, I think. So okay. at the end of a podcast a few days ago, the Sean Story one, we talked about this guy, Nikita Beer, who you and I are both friends with, but we talked about it at the end of like an hour session, and I realized... This is actually really amazing and deserves a significantly more time. And so I'll, I'll kind of give. Yeah. So Nikita Beer, he's our good friend. We're in a group 
text message uh, with him. And that's actually how I got to know him. And everything I'm going to explain, most everything is public information. So this is like through articles and his Twitter feed. So I'm not going to say anything that is confidential. But basically, he started an app called TBH. So he went to school in Berkeley, California, started an app called TBH, which was basically uh, some type of like viral high school app that like you could answer questions about your peers, something like that. And it, it wasn't incredibly significant of an app, but it went viral and got millions of users very quickly after him spending over two years trying to create viral apps. And so we kind of felt like he kind of honed in on what works and more importantly, what doesn't work. Facebook eventually buys the app for tens of millions of dollars. Originally, it was said to be like 100 million. I think in a recent article, they're like, it was actually like 40 million, which is still a great outcome. And that was about five years ago. And so Nikita said something in the group message, which he says, I think it'd be an interesting idea to ask myself or to figure out how no, that, can I not build even that you're, you're making it too soft. I remember exactly how he said it. It's just, it was like, Oh, so what are you do, doing? What are you up to nowadays? Oh, Sam, you sold the hustle. What are you doing? Sean, you sold people. What are you doing? Nikita, you're sitting at Facebook. What are you doing? And he's basically, he just said it straight, straight up. He goes, um, I'm just thinking about how I can make $10 million in three months. Like, uh, and we're like, what? And he's like, yeah, I want to make an app that generates like $10 million in 90 days. And we talked about that. Like, that's just crazy. That's outlandish. <laughs> we brought it up on this podcast, but it was a really interesting. We just thought of it as an interesting thought exercise. Like, oh, that's yeah, actually a really backwards that, from that dream. OK, if that's is that possible? Yeah, it is possible. I guess it is possible. So then, all right, I'm a smart guy. Let me find out find out a way I would do it. It is obviously very challenging. And so. Uh, I guess he must have had, I don't actually don't know if this is true or not, but I imagine when you sell a company to Facebook, you have some type of non-compete. Well, typically non-competes are anywhere from two to five years. The other day, a few months ago, it was the end of a, the five-year period since selling TBH. And so I imagine that was the period where he was like, great, I can do that. And so he launches this app about three months ago, where basically you well, by let the way, you... It's the same app as TBH. So what was TBH? TBH was a anonymous polling app or compliments app. So you, I don't know if you remember, like in high school, you, they would always pass this thing around at the end of the year, the the superlatives test. And it would be like, who is most likely to become a famous, uh, you know, famous in Hollywood? Oh, this person in our school. Who is most likely to, you know, end up with, with 10 kids or whatever, right? You just come up with these like future looking things. Who's the best? Who's got the best smile? This person wins best smile. And so TBH was that because it was playing on this thing, which is people are very interested in them, themselves and in the people around them. And so you're like, all right, if I I'll go through and I'll answer this quiz. And it was using like so that sounds very simple under the hood. It's got to be pretty smart, right? Because it's got to surface in your contacts. It's got to surface the right four or five names that you actually know. Who do you actually know? So you could pick, you know, your friends and um, and then it would send them a text message and saying, Hey, Sam, somebody said that you have you have the best smile in your school. Download the app to find out who who said it. And you're like, 100 percent, you're going to go find out who said I have the best smile or who said I'm most likely to who said they have the biggest crush on me. And so, you know, that taps into like something pretty deep in a teenager. And so that's what TBH was got acquired. Um, and, and by the way, that same idea had been done many, many times. Our buddy Suli, who was the first episode of the podcast, he had built that same superlatives idea as a Facebook app. When the Facebook app platform launched back in like 2007 or something like it, that. And it also went viral. It also went crazy viral. Like this is just an idea that goes viral. Um, and you could switch. He did it on the Facebook app platform. Nikita did it on the mobile platform where you would send SMS, uh, you know, in invites based off of this. And so it's the same. That was what he did then. It got acquired. Immediately, pretty much immediately got shut down. Uh, there wasn't really much retention in it. And so it was like, oh, that's a cool idea. It gets people engaged, goes viral for a short period of time, but there's no engagement. Oh, sorry, there's no long-term retention. Seems but like, so it gave it gave him this like this persona of like I am a I'm a wonderkin. Like I know how to make things go viral because a it is partially true, and b Nikita kind of has this like aura about him that who knows if it's on purpose or not on purpose where he like is mysterious and like somewhat silent and only makes sarcastic jokes and everything comes easy to him. Like that's like his like <laughs> cool kid demeanor. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely, definitely tries to be a cool kid. All right. So then it's a app you open up and it says, who do you have a crush on? Who's got the best smile? Who's most likely to be whatever? Who would you trust to bail you out of jail? 
uh, and you you answer and they're all supposed to be, you know, sort of like po- more positive ish questions. They're not it's not like mean. It's not supposed to be bullying. And uh, again, starts to go viral. And so we sat there in this group chat as it was happening. So describe kind of how it played out from your perspective. He says things like, all right, now we're adding a thousand people an hour. And I kind of brush that off because like I'm thinking maybe these are just bots like this isn't actually serious. Well, and, well, there's one little difference. He launches it and we're like, cool, man, how do we download the app? And he's like, you have to, it's geofenced to these three high schools in Georgia. And we're like, what? And he's like, and we're like, hey, and then he would post like a like, you know, he'd be like, post his graph. It's, like, it's going viral, but it's got like 200 people. We're like, ah, oh, only 200. He's like, there's only like 2000 people in the school. This is going to take a whole say, school, like, like right away. But he uses like academic language, like it has a K factor of blank, but we're seeing that user retention stagnates at this thing. And the right. turn happens at three <laughs> percent. Like it was the density coefficient is blah, blah, blah. We're like, whoa, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. that's cool. And then and then he goes, then he's supposed to chart and we're like, oh, sick. Like, I don't like how come I don't see it when I go to my app store chart, like, you know, social free apps. He's like, we put it in the games category under puzzles. He's like, he's like, that way we're going to like stay away from competition until we flip the switch. And we're like, whoa, like, damn, this guy is like, <laughs> this is like, if you want Game of Thrones and they're talking about like, you know, how to invade King's Landing, it's like these guys standing at this t- giant table, moving these chess pieces around, like talking about conquering. That's him. But the chess pieces are like high schools and he's moving. Them yeah, around it was him. like uh, it's like James Bond villain of high school, uh, you know, quizzes. Yeah. If that's such a and by thing. the way, there's one <laughs> key twist to the whole thing. It's TBH again, but he's like this time we're not trying to be the next Snapchat. We don't care about the retention. We're just going to put an in-app purchase that says pay to see who voted for you. And he's like, they're going to pay. And we're like, well, I get, well, will they pay? They're going to pay. And it's like, the thing is a freaking $6.99 weekly subscription. So this is basically $28 a month. This is double the price of Netflix to see who voted for you. And he's like, yep. So if we're converting, you know, whatever, 4% of people, and we take over this state, Georgia, Georgia has this many high schools, each high school has this many students, and yeah, $1.8 million a month. Okay, good. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> like my reenactment of how they're thinking about this. <laughs> and at this, with TBH, he had raised a little bit of money. He had raised money from Founders Fund, Fund and Greylock. And like the, the, when you do that, it says, uh, you know, you, I've got to build the next Snapchat. This way, with this new company, he just basically says, dude, I'm self-funded. I've got four engineers living in my L.A. house right now. We're just trying to, like, make it big, make it fast. And uh, what do they say on South Park? Like, uh, scale up. No, start up. Get big. Cash out. Bro down. You know, like, that, <laughs> like that's exactly what he's trying to do. He's trying to just get in, get the bag, get out, and just that's maybe a good rinse tattoo repeat. idea for you. <laughs> yeah, not. Uh, <laughs> and so, anyway, about 10 days after... It launches. I'm just making these numbers up, but it's around a week, maybe two weeks. He starts saying like, oh, man, people are starting to spread these rumors that this app is being used for human trafficking. And we laugh that off. And he goes, so I changed it to. No, but he was like, he's like, yeah, it's, it's like annoying as like, hell. Like we're getting a bunch of deletions. Like, oh, it's, it's going to die. And we were like, what? The thing that like you called your shot. You're like, I'm going to build an app that goes viral. It's going to make $10 million in like 90 days. And that's a ludicrous thing to say. You spend like two years plotting. He went through a bunch of different ideas to think about what it could be. Decides, you know what? It's TBH with a paywall. Launch it, like spends, you know, has these like seven engineers living in his living room. You know, the place smells like, you know, ramen and Old Spice. And he's like, all right. We build the app after a few months. We launch this thing in these pockets of Georgia. It goes viral. But then... This hoax, you know, this hoax starts saying this is for, I don't even know what the sex trafficking, human sex trafficking, human which teenage. I didn't even understand, but I didn't even understand. But he I shouldn't even say those like, words. YouTube's going to like deprioritize this algorithm. Like, and we're out of the algorithm now, like, because I said that out loud. And he says that he's like, well, it's actually it's just like a couple reviews. But I have a feeling that these couple of reviews are going to like spread. Someone right. already made a video on TikTok. This is just how things work. And so, so I'm like. It's whatever like that. I don't understand that entirely. That sounds like you're just being like neurotic, but sounds good. So he changes the name to crush, right? Yeah. So app starts getting deleted or it gets taken down in the app store. Apple takes down or something like that. He's like, oh, we're going to petition, blah, blah, blah. We're going to re-upload as crush. And he sends us, hey, guys, like new brand. 
and it looks exactly, exactly like yeah, exactly like crush the soda, like uh, like the grape flavored like it soda. Felt, it sends it in the text, and I I got so thirsty, like you know, like the Pavlovian dog response. I saw that, and I was like, I need orange soda on my tongue right now. And uh, I hadn't had orange soda in like a decade, <laughs> but I saw that thing, and I was like, I need that relaunches again in like you know alabama this time he's like okay we're going south and they attack alabama with their four high school launch strategy they do they have this like thing set to a t and by the way like he had he had wrote a memo inside facebook once about how tbh was launching high schools effectively he's like we created basically his theory is basically for a social app the most valuable thing you can have is a reliable way to test your app so like can you get this into a, a, a small network like like a high school where most people know each other or know of each other of a thousand people quickly because if you could do that you could test it in one high school see what the data says and then you could tweak the app launch it in another high school do it again he's like that reliable like petri dish to test in is the most valuable thing so they had come up with this strategy which was it but this memo got leaked when he was at facebook which was like they would create instagram accounts like you know crush you know um you know, archipelago high, you know, and it's like they, they, they take the high school name and they take the, the brand name of the thing and they would make the account private and they would go follow every kid who had like, you know, class of whatever, 2022 um, in that high school. They would follow all of them. So then the kid would see who followed me. Uh, it has my high school name in it. They click it. It's private to, to find to see the profile. You've got to follow back. So they would they would request to follow. So a whole bunch of people requested to follow. He's like, but we would not accept anyone. And it's like, this is like the, you know, the dentist system on all of a sudden. He's like, you know, first we demonstrate value, then we take it away. And he's like, then at 4 p.m. on the day before launch, which uh, the day of the launch, when everybody gets out of school, you know, we have a guy in a truck watching people leave the school. As soon as they do, we hit accept requests. We accept everybody's requests. Everybody gets a notification at the same time. And then they go to it. The bio basically says, download the app, see who likes you. You download the app. And then he's like, we would instantly go viral in a high school. So he had this like launch strategy, which was, I thought, pretty, pretty great, pretty tactical. So he's doing that again now with Crush. Crush going to go, it's going to launch like that. And it starts to work. And we're like, wow, dude, you did it again. Like the first one wasn't a fluke. You did it again. All of a sudden, like, it totally attracted a different demographic because of this like stupid orange soda logo and the name Crush. And so he's like, oh, God, you know, cut. All right, let's move the scene around. Change the name again. And he comes back for act three. And this time it's called gas. And by the way, this whole, so he'd been working on this for many months, maybe more than a year. I don't know. But this whole thing that we're describing takes place over two to three weeks. And it gets to the point where he starts making up phrases like uh, we are acquiring new users at this rate per hour. You know, a lot of times we talk about saying like ARR, annual recurring revenue. And what a lot of companies will do is they'll take like their monthly run rate and multiply that by 12 to say this is what they're doing. He was basically doing that at a <laughs> per hour basis. So he's like, oh, yeah. we're, you know, we're. We're acquiring a thousand users per hour, which means our uh, our rate of like a new users is like three hundred sixty five million, whatever. And yeah, he's like, it was like, he's like, if you look dawn day over day, it's like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like, dude, you're just measuring the period of like the sunrise day over day. What's your what your numbers are? That's insane. <laughs> and so gas starts like taking off, similar to the original one, but this time even even more. And in a matter of like seven days, I believe he starts tweeting out the results and letting us know. And basically within like seven days, give or take five days, I don't know exactly. It was doing a million daily or had a million daily users was adding 30,000 new users an hour. Users were answering 3.2 million polls per hour in a brown like 10 days. I believe he's hit a million dollars in sales and are also around 10 days in. It was number one in the app store. And he had been telling us it's going to be number one in the next handful of days. It's going to be number one. And he totally called it. And we're talking number one, like above TikTok, above Instagram, above Facebook. Yeah, totally. Uh, this is all true. And he said he tweets out. He goes, ladies and gentlemen, after a five year hiatus, I'm no longer a one hit wonder. Introducing Gas, the number one app in the app store. <laughs> and this is when it turns to the point where it's incredibly hard for us to compliment him and to root for him. Because clearly <laughs> this guy has a chip on his shoulder. Clearly 
for the last five years, he was mad that he sold too soon or didn't become like huge or didn't become wealthier or didn't become whatever his his target was. But he fell short. It felt like. And now he is proving that he is the man because here's what's here's what here's what starts happening. And he gets hilariously cocky about it, which I I love. I love. I love. love. (laughs) It it makes me like him even more. But I love. And so uh, like here's an example. A really popular VC tweets out uh, his name's Josh Elman. Momentum growth is a powerful feeling and it could also go away really quickly. I have been surprised. I have been surprised how many things with seemingly unstoppable momentum have slow crawled this past year. Zooming out, growth without deep duration adoption and habits doesn't count. And Nikita replies, just at me. And so basically, he just starts going around. Anyone online on Twitter who's a big shot, who starts talking about high growth stuff, Nikita just pops in and said, what are you talking about me? And it's hilarious. (laughs) It is so funny. And so around this time, though, the rumors start happening again about human trafficking. And he starts tweeting and sharing the craziest stuff. And this gets so big that Ashton Kutcher is retweeting who Ashton Kutcher, Kutcher, I didn't entirely know this, but like his whole like philanthropy thing is human trafficking. And so these rumors of human trafficking start happening again. And Ashton Kutcher retweets Nikita and says something like Nikita uh, sends us a screenshot. It's Ashton Kutcher DMing him. And he's like, he just, he's just screenshotting us these like big shot people that are just DMing him like wink face. Instead of even saying hi, they're just like, it's like, is this how this guy like slides into DMs? That's interesting. Not, that wasn't Ashton Kutcher, but like, uh, then but Ashton, Ashton like, also hey, retweeted it. I'd love to meet, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to help. You know, uh, this thing is a hoax. Cause basically what Nikita's saying is he's like, this thing is taking off. Like you wouldn't believe that, you know, it's going viral. The K factor is two. And when the K factor is two, what that means is, for every person who joins, you know, virally, they invite two more, right? So it's like, you know, you thought COVID spread fast, watch how fast the gas app is going to spread. It's got a, a incredibly high uh, viral coefficient. That just basically means for free, it's going to take over whatever demographic it is until that, until that coefficient starts to go down because either it's saturated or it hits a new market where it's less viral. And so it's going viral. Um, Ashton Kutcher is like, I'll help you try to fight these hoax rumors because on TikTok, on Snapchat, you just see story after story of somebody saying, guys, uh, delete this gap app, gas app. It's sus as hell. I downloaded it and a, a white van started following me around my neighborhood. <laughs> and, and people are like, oh, my God, oh, my God, share, share to keep it, keep our like our school safe. Uh, and it's like girls like girls do not download gas app like like you ever seen the show you on Netflix say no more. And it's like, it's like the people are just spreading this thing. And so it's like, what the hell? Like, wh- where is this coming from? And he doesn't know. And he's like, it's gotta be a competitor. And we're like, okay, what, like what kind of compet? I mean, you've just launched like two weeks ago. How are they doing this coordinated, like social, like psyops attack on you and your user base. <laughs> and he's like, then he's like, we've, we've located the source of the hoax uh, or, or it originated in China. <laughs> he's like, well, here's what he says. Here's what he says. It's this is the most official tweet ever. It's so funny. He goes, after an investigation, our team found several <laughs> indications that the gas app that uh, the gas app human trafficking hoax was planted by an entity or person originating in China. Our data shows users connecting from China when the app first began growing, and the fake fake review, the first fake review, were posted that, that same day. And so basically, he's accusing something or someone in China who starts spreading. He's accusing spreading. just the country. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is just taking off from I want to make he, $10 he million. Dollars. I want to get in and get out to China is trying to actively bring me down. And he, he just tweeted out, dude, I am calling for a total and complete ban of Chinese goods in entering the United States. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but I told him, I was like, dude, you need to go lean in way more because what he's doing in his PR push, he's like the, 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 the hoax, the, a false hoax is being spread about gas app, human, you know, trafficking, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and I'm like, bro, you need to go full Trump. You need to be like China. The China virus is trying to take down this American success gas, gas app. You know, TikTok is not only stealing your data, they're trying to take us down because we are the number one app for teens. China is doing this. This is anti-China. I was like, you should be leaning in way more 
to this child. I was like, I don't know if this is true, not true, but like, this is your only hope is to get this. Like, you should stop saying your app's name with the words, you know, human trafficking. And you should start saying, uh, you know, why is China trying to, you know, spread fake news about this? That is that is my 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 official recommendation to you. And it's and it's totally working. And so this entire story that we just spent 30 minutes on, this entire story, we're talking like 20 days. And this is the roller coaster that we've been in. And, and he's he on, would say the, he's on Fox he News yesterday. These, Did you yes, see that? But that's my point. <laughs> he says these things in this group chat. And when it's on your phone, when it's just on this small thing, you think this is just limited to us six guys in this thing. This is just no big deal. But then you turn on Fox Business News and our Fox News business, and he's on there. You go to Wall Street Journal, and he's on there. You go to Business Insider, uh, Bloomberg, all these places, and it's real. I go to TikTok, and I open up, and there's a video about this app. And basically, as much as I don't like saying this because I like Nikita, but he is so smug, he has 100% (laughs) called his shot, and he hit it. He nailed it. This is this is one of the most epic stories that I've seen behind the scenes in real time in a very long time. It's been quite amazing to watch this entire thing play out in just 20 days. Yeah, he's smug as hell. But I, uh, you know, the same reason I find Conor McGregor very entertaining in the UFC, right? This cocky guy who tries to call his shots and then tries to pull it off. Like, um, I, I'm thoroughly entertained and I'm here for the entertainment uh, and like, you know, good for him, made it happen. This, this matters to him. He got really pumped about this and he made it happen. And it's like, I feel like, you know, you know, Bane, when he's like, uh, you know, he sees other people, like, you know, I, I felt like Nikita for like four years would see other people try to build social apps and he would just like shit on them. Or he would be like, uh, you know, or people building apps would be like, you know, if your app doesn't let you, you know, flirt with somebody, it's never going to work. You know, like, or he'd be like, unless you built the number one app in the app store, like, you know, don't talk to me <laughs> type, of, type of attitude. And um, and I find it, you know, pretty awesome that like, you know, like Bane, when he's like, oh, you know, you know, you, you, whatever the line is, where he's like, you know, you, uh, you, you trained in the dark. I was born in the dark. Like that's him with these like teen viral apps. He's like, you know, oh, you're trying to make a social app. I was born to make social apps. And like, you just yeah. keep the fact that he just relaunched the same app is hilarious to me in so many ways. Um, he probably had just like a countdown timer to like when the non-compete ends. And no, just it wasn't even that because I talked to him in between and he was considering all these like other ideas. You're considering this one real estate idea. He's considering this other idea. And then it was just like, oh, like, you know, it's sort of all like Harry Potter. The wand chooses the wizard. It's like, it's just pulling me back in. Just when I think about, I got to go do this app again. Like, are you fuckers really going to let me just do this again? <laughs> and he did it again. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty amazing. It also goes to show that uh, it shows a few things. It kind of breaks a lot of narratives, which I actually like, which is a like, you don't really need like a mission you know, all the time, like, and, and, and I think that, like, with us, he's, you don't like, need over, a noble mission. The mission can be noble mission. $10 million to three months. That's a great mission. And I do actually think that maybe there is something where, like, oh, it makes teens feel good or whatever. Maybe that's, like, there. But, like, I think what's there really above all else is get big fast because that's exciting and just, like, play the puzzle. It's just a puzzle. And I think that that's, like, kind of the dominating factor behind what's driving him. And well, I think well, that that's the funny thing. He goes on Fox News and he's like doing the interview. You know, they, they have the person talking and then the background, they're showing screenshots of the app. And so he's saying, he's like, well, the thing we wanted to do was bring positivity to <laughs> teens. You know, teens feel really bad from whatever, like, you know, Instagram. Whatever. We want there's, positivity to we our We wanted an account. app where there's, you know, it's anonymous, but there's no bullying. There's no, um, there's no like sort of negativity. And the screenshot is a poll question that says, want to steal them from their boyfriend? <laughs> it's like, what do you want to steal from the boyfriend? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, you know, we just want to, he's like, I get messages every day from teens saying, you know, uh, you know, I was gonna do something bad to myself, but this app came out and now, you know, I'm running around in, in a field full of uh, flowers. And it's like, it was just hilarious. The whole thing is, is like straight Silicon Valley uh, HBO show. Like, it's so funny to me. It is so funny and it's so exciting. Another thing is that basically when you're building these apps, like, the really good folks are just like maniacal about these little small numbers and just tweaking them and just just being obsessed with these little small things when most people are carried about or worrying about design or branding or the logo or just these things that don't matter. It's like 
dude, all I care about is making this K factor like more than one. <laughs> and so, and when it's not, but it's 0.99, it's we're screwed. We got to totally redo this. And I just thought that it's a really interesting story. And this has been like a roller coaster and one of the coolest things that's happened in a long time. I just love following along this. Yeah. Props to him. Uh, great, great job. Thank you for the, thank you for the entertainment. Um, all right. Do you want to do any more or should we save it for the next? I thought episode? you had one more. I do have one more, but um, we should save that one. It sounds too interesting. Okay. Let's save it. Same for the next one. That's it. We're out of here.